For our scripture lesson tonight, we would like to begin with the 24th verse of the third chapter of Galatians, reading through the remaining part of the third chapter. Galatians 3.24. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. May the Lord's blessings be added to this word. We're happy to greet you once again in the name of Jesus and by the wonderful love of God that flows through Christ into our hearts and to you. It's always a glory and a privilege. And as he mentioned, we feel that something like this is a vacation because we do have programs to get out every week and to get to each radio station. Each station has a different program. And we're trying to reach many people. We have many inquiries about the Church of God. It was suggested by our official board that they give us a two weeks vacation and that they police the vacation and make sure that we did no preaching. And I told them that this would be impossible, that uh, the Lord was the only one that could police me. And if I got off in a motel somewhere and somebody asked me about Christ, I was going to start preaching. I didn't care what the official board said or anybody else. I simply am led of the Lord and wherever I go, it's a joy to me to tell about Christ. I feel much better when I'm speaking and telling people about Christ. A wonderful thing happened to me when the Lord Jesus came into my heart in a wonderful way and when I gave my life in full commitment to him. Uh, we talk about tongues today, but he loosed my tongues in both ends and in the middle and has been flapping ever since telling about the wonderful praises of the Lord. And I thank God for it. I just praise God that we can let the Lord have our tongues and use them for his glory. Now we're going to talk to you about do you have a living faith? I'm going to talk to Christians tonight, people who name the name of Christ, people sometimes who get a little tired and weary of church work perhaps, or people who get a little weary of praying and seemingly God doesn't ever answer their prayers. It's one of the old sicknesses of church it's the reason why the prayer meeting died out. It's the reason why attendance uh, begins to dwindle off. It's the reason why that uh, many times we find a disinterest among the people about attending church services. And I open trust tonight that you have a living faith in Christ, one that's very much alive, terrifically alive. We read to you from Galatians 3.26 will be the thought, the theme of our thoughts tonight. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. And this is something glorious. I'm sure that each of you want to be a child of God. There can be no greater thrill than to be a child of God in this present evil world. With sin all about us, as pilgrims and strangers, we can be the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Well, 
we might have to define faith. I find two definitions in the scriptures about what is faith. Hebrews 11 and 1 we find, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, this word uh, substance means confidence. Faith is the confidence of things you hope for and uh, the evidence of things not seen. Now, if you hope for something, you have confidence that you'll receive it. And the reason you have confidence is because of some evidence. Suppose I was to tell you that I believe when I die I'll come back as a baboon. You would want to know where the evidence was why I hoped in it. I would need some evidence to make the point plain that I had a reason for hoping this. If I was to tell you I believe that when I die I will go to the moon and live on the moon, you'd say, well, where's the evidence? Brethren, there is much in the earth today that's called faith that has no evidence. But God's people want to be sure they have evidence for the confidence in the thing they hope for. In Romans 8.24 we're told, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? You see, we're saved by hope. And the hope we have comes from the evidence that God has given. In short, brethren, in short, beloved young people, our hope and our confidence must be on the evidence, which is the promises of God that we can find in this book. In the Bible, the Holy Word of God, God has made terrific promises to people. And Christ, when he was upon the earth here, and as he was living among mankind, and as he died for our sins, and as he was raised from the dead and sits at God's right hand, has made wonderful promises to man. And this gives us hope. And our confidence in this is based on the evidence of what he has said. Now, if we have a, a, a hope of something that is not found in the Scriptures, then we are building on sand. We're not like the man that built on the rock, the solid foundation. But we want to be sure that we are the children of God by faith in Jesus, and we want to have this confidence on the evidence that God has given us from his holy word. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord. It's what the Lord's word has said that causes us to have hope. Now, we want to think about many things tonight as quickly as we possibly can. There's another definition of faith in the scriptures from Romans 14, 23. And he says, whatsoever is not of faith is of sin. We might change that. Whatsoever is not of confidence based on evidence is of sin. And I think that we can each understand this plainly and simply, that if there's something based on that which has no evidence for the confidence in it, then it isn't faith, but it's of sin. And this is very plain to me, that we must preach the true word of God, we must lay down the covenants of God with man, and we must adhere to those covenants which God gave to man. And we must place our hope and our confidence in these things, which are the evidence that guides our lives in this present world, and it must be an activated way of living. 
When I say an activated way of living, perhaps this makes you stop and wonder for just a few moments about your faith in Christ. How do you know that you are a child of God by faith in Jesus? Do you have a living faith? Do you have a faith that is alive and active, one that is really serving God, one that God is pleased with? Well, in James 2.17, we find these words. Even so, he said, faith without works is dead being alone. Faith without works is dead being alone. We need to think about that. Faith, if it has no works, it is dead. Now, I remember walking by my father's coffin, and he was dead, and he couldn't do me any good. I could walk up to him while he was living. I could say, Dad, I need $50 this week, and I'll pay you back Saturday. And Dad could give it to me. But I could walk up to him and ask him whenever he was dead, and it didn't do any good. No good to talk to him. Then a dead father can't help you. A dead father cannot provide for you. A dead wife cannot get breakfast for you. And a dead faith cannot do anything for you. And you can't do anything for a dead faith unless you bring it to Christ and let him activate it in your life. Now, we find that he says that some man may say, Thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Something to think about, isn't it? James is telling us about faith and works. You show me your faith without your works. You'll have a dead faith. You'll be showing me something that's completely dead. But he said, I'll show you my faith by my works. Brethren, we need a faith that is a living faith, one that's filled with works. Works of faith, not the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no, deed of, no, no flesh will be justified. We're not justified by the deeds of the law, but by the works of faith. This is Christ moving in you to do those things that please God. And how we need to be moved today to do those things that please God. Moved because there is in us this hope that's a thrill to us that brings to us joy to please the Lord. Our desire is to please God. I remember when we were first married, my wife and I, we did things to please each other. We still do a lot of things to try to please each other, to make one another happy. And when you know the Lord has promised something to you, you work that much harder and you do things to please Him. When I was a little boy, I was going to church, and they had a Christmas program at the church, and I'd been praying for a little blue wagon with rubber tires on it. In those days, that was a luxury. I had prayed for it. I saw it in the catalog, and I prayed and prayed for it, and my father and mother slipped it in the church, and they gave it out as the last present in the church. And I wasn't but five years old. I was sitting there in the back. And finally I got up and stood. And I kept on staring at that little blue wagon. And the man called out and said, This, this wagon belongs to Max Pressler. And I jumped out now and I went down the aisle. I said, It isn't so. I prayed for that wagon and it's mine. And it sure enough was mine. 
That was a living faith. I had prayed, I believed, I had asked, and I was on fire. I was carried away with it. I was infatuated with it. And I knew it was mine, and they all acted, and he said, yes, it's yours. And it thrilled everybody's heart. But brethren, I'm asking you to become infatuated with the promises of God and with the evidence that he's given you and the hope that is put in your life and let it go to work. Show people your faith by your work because men can't see your faith except they see your work. You can tell a man how much faith you've got in the resurrection. You can tell a man how much faith you've got that Jesus is coming but he won't know that you've really got this faith that is real and genuine till he sees your works. Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You'll hear us talk about this often when we're talking to church people about their immediate lives. And then James continues in the quotation. He says, Thou believest in one God, thou doest well. Well, you know, we can all think about that tonight because we believe in one God. He said, if you believe in one God, you do well. But he said, the devils believe and tremble. There are a lot of people that believe in God. They believe that there's one God. That doesn't mean that they're a Christian. It doesn't mean that they have become activated in the field of a living faith that really serves God and brings their lives into a joyful service to the Lord. And you want your life to be a joy. You uh, wives that are married to your husbands, you want to make your husband happy. You want to please him. You husbands want to please your wives. You children want to please your parents. And the parents want to please the children. The greatest joy in this life isn't how happy you make yourself, but how happy you make somebody else. And so the Lord tried to make us happy. We want to make him happy. And his glorious promises to us just thrill our heart. Thou believest that there is one God? Why, you do, you do well. And the church of God does well by believing that there is one God. This is wonderful. But there are devils that believe and tremble when they think about this. Why do they tremble? Because they just think with their minds. They just believe in their minds. They don't put this faith into action. And it's enough to make you tremble if you're sitting around with dead faith in your heart. It's enough to make you tremble if you're not serving God, if you haven't put Christ into action. Oh, tonight we need a church that's moving in action, that's on fire for the Lord. He says, was not our father Abraham justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Now let's just uh, dramatize this just a little bit, my beloved brethren. God says to Abraham, you take Isaac over here and you offer him for a sacrifice to me. Now Abraham sits there and he calls in all the big wigs of the city and all the church leaders and he said, you folks know that God's going to, to give me this earth. You know that he's promised me and my seed that we'll have it for an everlasting inheritance. Now he's asking me to go over here and offer up my son. And uh, you know that I believe in God. You know that I have great faith in God. And then he talks to God. He says, God, what's the use of me going over there? You know all things. You know my heart. And you know that I got great faith in you. And since I've got all this faith in you, God, I'm not going to do that. Do you think that Abraham would have 
received a blessing. His heart was heavy, but he proved that he had confidence in what God had promised by moving and doing that which was commanded of him, even if it seemed it was contrary to the ultimate end of what God had promised him. How often uh, we get sick or we have a calamity in life and it looks like that the things that God has promised to us, everything is just working against it. And sometimes we say, well, I wonder if God has forgotten me. I wonder if God has left me out. I wonder just what's happened. God doesn't hear my prayers anymore. We lose faith in confidence in the, the Lord God and in Jesus, his son. And it, it makes a cold church. It makes a cold church member. It brings down attendance. It leaves the pews empty on prayer meeting night. It takes away our prayer life. It detracts from our family life. And it does something personally within. He says, Seest thou how faith wrought with works, and by works faith was made perfect. You know what makes perfect faith? We are the church of God of Abrahamic faith. Jesus once said to his disciples, or to, rather to the Pharisees who claimed to be of Abraham, he said, if ye were the children of Abraham, you would do the works of Abraham. You see, if you're going to have Abrahamic faith, you better do the works of Abraham. I remember on one occasion we had, were building the church and some of the members there said, Brother Duncan's going to kill us all. We'll all be putting coffins before this church is done because I worked 11, 12 o'clock at night and then go out and work as a construction crew all day long. I wanted to get the, the house of the Lord built. And so finally, they all simply just began to, to lay down on me and we went to lay the floor in the church and some of them said they're too tired. And I have compassion on people getting exhausted. I get exhausted too. But on Sunday morning, I went to church and I didn't even shave. And I told them there, they wonder why I hadn't shaved all week. I said, because I can't get the people of this church to lay this floor. I'm going to make a covenant with God that if this floor isn't laid next week, I'll never shave again. Now, you know, there had been something me coming up here to shave my beard down to here. But these people knew that I meant what I said. And I made this covenant with them. And I told them that if they was the children of Abraham, if they had the Abrahamic faith, and if they through Christ was an heir to the Abrahamic promise, they ought to do the works of Abraham. And they ought to prove their faith by coming out there. I said, you may be a little bit tired, but if you are, I said, the Lord will give you strength and his work will get done. On Tuesday night, they made me shake. I want to tell you, I thank God for an active faith, a working faith. We need to have this working faith. Now, he said, and thus the scriptures was fulfilled. See, works makes perfect faith. He said, thus the scriptures was fulfilled, which saith that Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see then, he said, how that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In this same quotation, we missed one sentence. He said, and we left this for last, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Brethren, we become vain in our thinking 
It means it's vanity. It's a foolish thing to decide in our lives that we have faith if we're not active for the Lord. If we're not active for the Lord in His service, in His work, doing His will. A Christian is a person that wants to be doing something for the Lord at all times. He wants to be in His service. He wants to do those things that are pleasing in His sight. He wants to be witnessing and testifying and living a life so that the neighbors in the community, even your enemies in the community, and everyone can see Christ living in you. What a joy and thrill it is to advertise for Jesus. A man said to me as he was talking to me that he didn't want to be a Christian. I said, you better not talk to me. I'm a salesman for Jesus Christ. I will sell you Jesus Christ on the idea of Jesus Christ. That's the job of a preacher, to tell a man and sell a man. You might not like the idea of using the word sell, but actually that's what we're doing is to sell a man on the idea of Jesus Christ as Lord and Master and Savior. Wonderful, glorious, powerful faith. Activated, becoming alive, real, something that will strengthen you. And you may be a little short feller, or you may be a tiny little girl, but you can become a giant in Christ if you have faith in him and put it into action. Jesus speaking to us from Matthew 6, 26, he says, Behold the fowls of the air, he said, that they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Brethren of the church of God, just what does God think of you people? What does God think of each one of us? Why, there isn't a sparrow that falls out here on the highway that God isn't aware of it. There isn't a sparrow that falls on the mountainside that God doesn't know it. And he feeds these uh, uh, feathered friends of ours. And do you know what? You're of much more value than they are, and God is concerned with you. God loves you. God loves you so much that the world can't even hold his love for you. What a powerful, wonderful love God has for every one of us. Isn't it wonderful and glorious how God loves And he wants us to learn a lesson about this. He feeds these feathered friends of ours. He takes care of them in a marvelous way. And he'll take care of you. But you need to trust him. You need to have confidence in him, more confidence than you've ever had before. You need to pray that God would increase your faith. And again, he says, consider the leaders of the field. They don't toil, they toil not, neither do they spin. He says, verily I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now he said, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Oh, I want to tell you, when I started out in the full-time ministry, they called me in there and they said, uh, how much do you think that you can get by on? They were wanting me to say I could skimp by on a little bitty price, you know, because they were afraid to start out in the full-time ministry. And we just didn't think that we could do a lot of things. When we started to build that little church there, they went out and got the contractor to figure the cheapest paneling, the cheapest glass, the cheapest everything. When we got through, we was going to have a cheap church, and we was going to be a cheap people. But brethren, 
God's people don't need to be a cheap people. We are the most expensive people in the world. God gave his son to die for us, and his son gave his life for us. We are bought with a precious price. We're the most expensive people in the world, and we need to look for better things than the cheap things of life. We don't have a cheap Savior. We don't have a cheap God. And we don't have a cheap faith, and we don't want a dead one. I told them, I said, if we're going to be God's people and we are of the Abrahamic faith and we have the kind of faith Abraham had, we ought to believe that all things are possible. And so we bought beautiful stained glass for our church. We went and bought the best panel and we put steel in the church and we began to move to do great things for the Lord. Nobody today can believe what's happened in the last 10 years in that place. Nobody can believe that it was possible. And the salary they paying me today, they just can't believe that they, that used to be more than they took up in an offering in one month. They just couldn't believe it could be done. Putting faith into action. Brethren means reaching down and dedicating God's book to God in your heart. Dedicating the hymn book to God in your heart and dedicating your pocketbook to God in your heart. And when you dedicate all that to God, things has got to move. Dedicate yourself to God in your heart. And so in a wonderful way, these things move out. God takes care of these things. If he clothes the grass of the field, won't he provide for us? I remember sitting there one the night and we had bought the pews. And uh, the pews cost 125 or $30 a piece. We did not buy the pulpit, nor the communion table, nor the chairs behind, because that was another $900 or $1,200. And they said, well, we just can't afford that. I said, brethren, we are of the Abrahamic faith. We have come out of the Adventist movement. We are now Abrahamic faith. We are trying to think like Adventists used to think. I remember when I went to the Adventist church, 120 for Sunday school. The offering was $11, and I had put $5 in it, not bragging about it. I was doing the preaching and paying my salary. I said, we're thinking like Adventists. Now we're Church of God of Abrahamic faith. I said, let's act like Church of God of Abrahamic faith. Let's just order the thing and... Let's put our hands in our pockets. Let's pull something out. And uh, let's go to work. And let's put work together with faith and get it done. Well, they couldn't understand what I was talking about. And so I come to church one Sunday morning and I had a 60-penny nail and a block of wood three inches. And I told them, I'm going to put this nail through this block of wood by faith. Next Sunday morning. And you know, there's about 240 people in that community turned out to see that. And I reached in here when it got time, under here and got a hammer and drove it straight through. They said, you didn't do it by faith. I said, the Bible says faith without works is dead. I want to tell you, brethren, we are living in a time when people want to have faith in the Lord and great things happening, but they don't want to get their coats off and roll up their sleeves and do the works. We want to do the works that will please God. Bring forth fruit to God's glory. We want to have an activated living faith in our hearts that moves us. Why, those disciples long ago said they could not help 
but to speak those things which they'd seen and heard. There was an impelling force that moved them. And I wouldn't be up here tonight if I hadn't been moved by the Lord in a wonderful way. And that's why I'm so happy in the Lord. That's why I'm so thrilled to be among you, brethren. People of Abrahamic faith, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. But God says, take your son and make him an offering to me. And he didn't say, now look, God, you, you've promised me that through Isaac my seed will be calling. If I cut his head off, if I offer him to you, how are you going to do this? He didn't know how God was going to do it. The Bible said he believed God would raise him from the dead. He just kept his mouth shut and went to work. And he carried that son over there. He took him over there and he made the altar. He'd done everything that God told him to do. He didn't doubt God. It seemed like God was going contrary to everything that he'd ever told him. But he believed God. And in the final consummation of it, God's blessings was upon him. Oftentimes you and I are led in a way that's strange. And I've often said God has put me in some of the funniest and most peculiar and queerest places. But he, when, my, when I'm set there, I just open my mouth and I praise the Lord and I thank God for the opportunity to witness for Jesus. Like his talking tonight, some young men out of the college says God's opening doors for our young men to go and speak in places that's never happened before. Well, we ought to praise God and we ought to go and we ought to speak. We need to be inspired. Inspired by the Lamb of God, our glorious Savior and our Lord. How wonderful it is tonight as we think about these things. Now I want to talk to you about your personal life for just a few minutes. Jesus said in Matthew 17 and 20, If ye have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you can say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. That's a mighty statement that our Lord made. And already you can begin to doubt, can you not? Already you can say, nothing impossible to us. Nothing impossible to those who have faith as a grain of mustard seed. You plant a grain of mustard seed and it'll push the dirt out of the way. Like a Christian supposed to push the dirt of life out of the way and it'll spring up. And it'll get in the sunshine. It'll rise above the old soil of the earth. If ye be risen with Christ, you see, we want to rise to higher things. We want to keep our mind and our affection set on things above. We want to have faith and confidence in those things that are yonder in the presence of the Lord and be in contact with Him daily and be moved by those things. If ye have faith of a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place. Now, brethren, we don't want to move the mountains that God has established on the earth. We can't move those mountains. That isn't the kind of mountains Jesus is talking about. I have a brother who has been in the, a mental institution with his nerves. He thinks every day is his last. He has terrific terror. This is the kind of mountains he's talking about. We found people that have been sick in many instances, had great diseases, and we have talked with them, prayed with them, and we've seen some mountains that seemed that they were like a mountain saddle there forever that the doctors thought couldn't be moved. No one thought could be moved. We have seen them moved in our day. People don't believe the things that are happening. I wish I could have a half a dozen of my members to stand here and testify you some of the wonderful things that's happened by faith in God, putting it into action, asking God, believing 
Jesus said, How be it, this kind goeth not out but by fasting and prayer. Now, I preached over in South Bend one time, and I mentioned this fasting, and a man went home, and he started fasting. His wife came to see me. She said, You're going to cause my husband to die, maybe. He said, Why, he hadn't eaten anything for two meals. I'm afraid he'll get sick and die. Who is going to die if they fast with reason and common sense? I have fasted many times. I have fasted, but you wouldn't know it when I was fasting. You're not supposed to be like the Pharisees and get out and tell everybody, I'm fasting. That's hypocrisy. It's between you and the Lord. Sincerely, you're seeking an answer. There's Sister Hat Griffin back in our church that two years ago the doctors gave her up to die. Another brother and I went to God in prayer and fasting secretly. We spent two to three hours of the night from 12 to 1 and 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. We would pray and ask God to spare her life. The doctor said there was no hopes today. She's living and in good health. Confidence in faith and prayer that the Lord will do what he said he would do. Oh, how many times we miss these blessings because we fail to put our faith into action, because we fail to call on God. Somebody said, well, this man is liable to make a hole in this bunch of people out of the church of God people. Brethren, I'm just asking you to lay hold on the promises that God has given us and to try them out and see if they won't work. I know they'll work, and I'm talking to you honestly and sincerely tonight. That wonderful things have happened. Now, it's appointed unto man once to die. Sometimes we pray for people, and they don't get well, they die. But we put it before the Lord in his will, for his will to be done. And we put it there and ask him in faith, believing that he'll work out what is best, and we accept his will. And he gives us some wonderful miracles. I could tell you the story of Grandma Brazel. She was unconscious. The doctor sent her home to die. She has about 12 children. I gathered in the room with all of the children. We were there. We all knelt down on our knees and held hands and prayed at the foot of her bed and her unconscious, and she came too. She'd never, she's 89 years old and had never been over 30 miles from Lenore, North Carolina, from those mountains. She'd never seen the ocean. And she came to and she says, the Lord gave me a vision and said I could go and see the ocean before I die. She said, I want to go. And she kept this up for about a week after I left there in prayer until the doctors and her family got together and got a big old ambulance and they carried her down to the ocean 300 miles away. And she lay out there on a cot and thousands of young people out there in their bathing suits and their bikinis gathered around that woman who raised up there and preached to them, and she's a quite humble woman, and she did more than a lot of preachers will do in a lifetime. She talked to them people about the ocean being made of God. She talked to them people about God gave a son to die for them. What a great witness. And the other Sunday they rolled her into our church in a wheelchair. She's nearly 90 now. And they rolled her in there, and she looks very good and wonderful. And it's been over two years ago that the doctor said she couldn't live any longer. But prayer and God answering in miracles. You say, well, these things can't happen today. Well, let's just go along here and let's consider some of the things 
In Mark 9, 23, Jesus said, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. We need to exercise our belief. We need to exercise our faith. We need to pray and ask God for more faith. We need to ask God to use the church more, not for our glory, but for his glory, not for our lust, but for his pleasure. We need to submit ourselves to him that his will may be done in our lives like it's never been done before. Wonderful things can happen to you, and you'll become happy and thrilled with the way things are done in your life if you completely surrender your life to the Lord and believe in him and trust in him in every situation. Three years ago, I lay upon the bed, and I was so weak I couldn't raise my hand. My wife, she would dip ice and put it in my lips. That's the only thing that seemed to do me any good, a little fine chipped ice. And as I was lying there, it seemed like I had come to the end of the way. And a ray of sunshine came through. And suddenly I felt strength as it shined through the window. And I said, praise God. I said, hallelujah. Glory to God. I said, if I fall asleep, I'm ready. If I fall asleep, it'll just be to awake when the trumpet sounds. And I've got nothing to worry about. Uh, my life, my death, my all. My future's in the hands of my Lord. And I'm not afraid anymore. And I want to tell you, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. Victory in an hour when it looked like die I would. And I begin to get better. And I stand here tonight and tell you that one of the greatest things is to put your life in God's hand. Let the Lord have his way in your life. Have confidence that no matter what happens that you can live in Christ Jesus. And that at the end of life's journey, when it's all finished, and when the Lord Jesus returns in his power and in his glory, that you're going to share in that glory an heir, a joint heir with him in the wonderful privileges of God's children in an everlasting kingdom here upon the earth, under the whole heaven. What a thrill, what a joy. Boy, it's wonderful to know the truth, but it's wonderful and still more wonderful to know Jesus and his glorious confidence and hope placed in your life, fully trusting him, no matter what the storm is. Again, I would remind you, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And then I would remind you that James said in James 1.22, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Brethren, you've heard the word. You've heard how Jesus said, If you'll fast, if you'll pray, if you'll ask, you'll receive. He said, ask, you receive, seek, ye shall find, knock, it shall be opened. You've heard his word. Be you a doer of the word and not a hearer, only deceiving yourself. I can stand here and preach to you every night, this week and next week. I can tell you the wonderful things of God, but if you don't put them into action, my brethren, then you're going to deceive yourself. You've heard the word of God, but you've not put it into action. Put Christ, put him to the test. Go ahead and try him out and see if he isn't wonderful and see if it won't work, see if he isn't good. God has said to the people in Malachi, he said, try me. Try me. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. 
That not only applies to tithing, it applies to faith. It applies to prayer. And the reason a man won't tithe is because he doesn't have enough faith in God. You may say, well, now, you just hit me a hard blow. Well, I didn't hit you a hard blow. If you'll study God's Word, you'll find that this is true. I remember well when I was in the uh, early years of going to church, the preacher jumped on me and asked me about tithing. And I told him, I said, I'm not going to tithe. I cannot afford it. But brethren, I want to tell you, he said, well, if you don't give it to the Lord, the doctors will get it. If you don't give it to the Lord, uh, the police will get it. They'll catch you for speeding. He said, you'll have bad trouble. You'll have bad luck. And I found out one day that he knew what he was talking about. And I found out as the years went on, I couldn't afford not to tithe. You've got to put Christ into action, God's ways into action, and believe and have faith and confidence. And I found out that if I just gave my tithe, whether it looked like I could make it or not, God always brought me a blessing and, and returned it in a wonderful way. And so James says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Another thing is about our health, brethren. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. If we get a pain, if we get a sickness, if there's something wrong with us, we begin to worry and our hearts are troubled. He said to the children of Abraham that have the Abrahamic faith, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. In John 14, he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. If you've got faith in God, if you've got trust in God, have trust in me. And put this faith into action. Just completely trust me in your sickness. When everything's going right, anybody can be a Christian. When everything is going well, anybody can smile. When all things are going right, anybody can say, I'm a child of God. But when everything is going wrong, and when the house is leaking, and when the mortgage is due, and when the car is broke down, and when the wife is sick, or when a loved one is dying, it's hard to be a Christian unless you've got faith that is a living faith, unless you can really stand there with faith and say, I know that my Redeemer liveth, unless you can trust God all the way, we're going to have to trust the Lord all the way. My own home church gets a little tired, I'm sure, of hearing me tell about my grandmother. She was a person who believed in the coming of the Lord, the kingdom of God here upon the earth, and that she was going to sleep till the Lord returned. And I returned from the war, and just a month later she died, and she called me to her bedside. I wasn't preaching then, but she held out her hand, and as the last one she talked to, as feeble as she could reach out to get it and hold of my hand, she said, Z.B., as her oldest grandson, hold fast to the faith. Oh, she could know that I was here at Brush Creek tonight talking to you people about God. Hold fast to the faith. She carried that faith right on to the last moment. She died in faith. The Bible says of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, these all died in faith. They were active in the work of the Lord until the very end. They were doing God's will to the very end having confidence in the promises of God. Now that is something that is wonderful, something that we ought to think about. And so when we come to this part of life, let not your heart be troubled, we worry about a lot of things. We trouble about a lot of things. 
And I am a convert, brethren, because when I came out of service for years, I wear it. I made gray hairs come in my head. I went to bed. I tried to figure out all kinds of ways how I could make the finances of my family meet. I had bad health. I tried to figure out some way to, to get better. I'd heard of a dozen different ways from a dozen different neighbors of how and where to go to find somebody who could give me help. And I found it one morning simply by kneeling on my knees and praying for two hours till I prayed through and got the victory and let Jesus have my life. Turned it all over to him. I don't worry about my health anymore. I go out to pray of a night and brother and I say, Lord, my life is in your hands to do with as it seemeth good unto you. And I mean it. I can trust him completely. All I have is in your hands, I say, Lord. Well, here I was, $10,000 in debt. And I started out tithing and serving the Lord. And a few years along, it just looks like the Lord is blessing me every way I turn. And how I thank God for it. I go to bed and go to sleep. I don't worry anymore. Let not your heart be troubled. Oh, my brethren, we ought to learn something for that. Now we're, like a, my brother says to me, like I told you, he's never accepted Christ. He can't understand all there are about it. He says, I'm afraid. I have great fear. It was President Roosevelt who said that the greatest thing we have to fear is fear itself. But there's a biblical scripture in the Bible, my brethren, it says, the fearful and the unbelieving shall have their part in the lake of fire. To doubt God is sinful. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. To doubt God, to just completely mistrust God, and to fail to believe that God will do what he said he would do, is sinful. And it will deprive you of a relationship with God it will deprive the church of moving forward. Now, I'd like to quote you a couple of verses Jesus said. Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Can you believe that? How wonderful it is to stand out on a mountainside at night and look at the starry heavens and say, Lord, I know you're with me always, even to the end of the world. What a thrill it puts in your soul if you can believe that and really live that and convince yourself of it with positive thinking in the Scriptures by the power of the Spirit. And then he says in Hebrews 13 and 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, my brethren, the Lamb of God that died for us, children of the Abrahamic faith, Jesus has promised he'd never leave a one of us nor forsake us. You talk about God's love is reaching out. And all we need to do is accept that love, believe exactly what he said, have the utmost confidence in it, and go to work and serve the Lord like we've never served him before. Making our faith double, triple, quadruple, and multiplied till we become great men for Christ, giants for Christ, in this present world, witnessing and testifying to men everywhere of the wonderful goodness of the Lord, of the saving salvation of Jesus our Lord, and of the coming kingdom, how he's coming back.
shall sit on the throne of his father David and reign. Oh, my brethren, it's wonderful. Indeed, I will never leave you nor forsake you. How often do you feel that the Lord has forsaken you? Aren't you ashamed to, to sort of do this injustice to the Lord? The psalmist David was a man who lived many years ago, but he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Can you say that tonight? Do you have that faith? He said, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Now, you know that people who walk through the valley of the shadow of death are not those who are dead because dead people don't walk. It's those people who are the loved ones who walk behind the coffins. It's those loved ones that fill the shadow of death over them. It's in hours like that that David said, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I walked out to the, the cemetery. I saw them put dead down in the ground. I saw them cover him up. I watched the flowers put on his grave. But I didn't fear any evil. He's just sleeping till the trumpets sound. He's just waiting the coming of the Lord. You can trust, you can be sure that Jesus is coming. And just as sure as Jesus is coming. Oh, so many of our people have faith that he's coming. But we don't have faith that he'll do anything for us now today. Salvation of the Lord and faith of God is something that works now, today. You need to try it. You need to put it into action. If you have some of it, multiply it. Share it with the other brethren of the church. Tell your experiences one to another and glorify the Lord. Philippians 4.13 is a verse of Scripture. It ought to be our motto. For I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We can do nothing of ourselves, brethren, but this grace of God that moves me around this pulpit. Some people say, well, why uh, do you have to move around the pulpit when you're preaching? Well, I don't know. I went over to the radio station to make radio tapes. And I sat there, and they said that my feet was going up and down so fast they didn't know whether I was dancing or preaching. I want to tell you that the grace of God in me, it moves me, it's wonderful, and it's powerful, and it's a wonderful thing to, to have Jesus in your heart and to love the Lord with all your heart and be willing to believe him and trust him no matter what happens, no matter what takes place. You simply trust him. And you know that you can meet these things not by your strength, but by Christ who strengtheneth me. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I believe the church of God of Abrahamic faith can carry this message of the kingdom to this world in this generation. How? By all of us giving, by all of us doing this and that. Through Christ which strengtheneth us, if we will submit to Christ, if we'll have faith in Christ, if we'll let the word of God be multiplied in our lives, if we'll let God's faith be built up in our lives if we'll put it into action. Doors are being opened, and what a thrill it is to be a part of it. I'd like again to refer to Abraham. In Romans 4:19, he said, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. Now dead, him being about a hundred years old, that's when God gave him a promise that he did have a son in his old age and his wife. Neither did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
Here God had promised them to howl a little baby when they was way past the age to have him. And he says, he staggered not at the promise of God, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. I hope and pray to God, beloved, tonight that you'll walk out of this place not staggering at these promises Jesus made, but fully persuaded that what the Son of God promised by the authority of his Father that he can perform for us in this day and in this age if we will believe and place our confidence in the evidence that he has given and that he meant what he said and that he said what he meant. And in closing, I'd like to give you James 1, 6. He said, but let a man, when he's praying, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that it wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven of the wind and tossed. For let not that man think he shall receive anything. How often, my brother, and I've come to a place in life where it seemed like that here was a, a point that I had to say, well, I ought to. Wonder if the Lord will do it. I'm afraid to. No, he won't. Well, an example is Peter and John. They came to the gate there at the temple, a gate called Beautiful. Here sat a man that was lame. There's no doubt in my mind that Peter said to himself, what if I say to this man, arise and walk in the name of Jesus, and he doesn't do it. How often people have had the feeling that they ought to do something like this. Here he was, a, a child of God. Here he was with the uh, power of the Lord upon him, and he walks up there. How did he know that man was going to walk? What if he didn't walk? It took courage. It took nerve. It took confidence in Christ. He said, Such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus. Arise and walk. You may not believe this, but I have had an experience like this myself. And I'm not boasting on myself while I was sick. The Lord revealed to me that I was to meet a woman. Her name was Mary. I'd never met her in my life. And she would be in a hospital. She'd be crying, and the doctors would give her up. I walked in the hospital, and the Lord says, You tell her that I will heal her and raise her up. I walked in that hospital. I didn't know her. I was visiting one of my members, and there was a woman and a man crying. I walked over to her. Her name was Mary. Same name of the mother of Jesus. And when I walked over and asked her what the problem was, if I could help her, she looked up at me and she said, pray for me. She said, pray for me. And I said, what's your name? I'd never done that before. She said, my name is Mary. Now I knew. Here I was. I'd been told by my member, the doctor said there was no hope for this cancer patient. Here I was standing there, and I had to make up my mind. Did I have the nerve? Did I have the, the nerve? Did I have the faith to believe what God had shown me, to do what God had pointed out to me he wanted me to do? Many thoughts went through my mind. What if she doesn't get well? I'll be the laughing stock of the community. But I know that God's revealed to me to do it. I've never met her before. 
I said, Mary, two weeks ago, Jesus of Nazareth, by the Spirit of God and by a dream in the night, showed you to me and told me to tell you that the Christ who died for you and who was buried and dead for three days and whom God raised from the dead, because you have the name of his mother and because you have an humble heart, is going to raise you up from this, and I guarantee it in his name. This woman testifies today, two years later, that she felt all the grips of death and of the grave lever. She began to praise God. And she's living today and on Saturday nights, many nights, at 12 o'clock she'll call me. She'll say, oh, preacher, I'm still praising God. A couple months ago I came down a hospital pair of steps and she came down the hospital steps and she saw me. She threw both arms around me and hugged me. I said, it wasn't me. It was the Lord. It was Christ. How often, brethren, we feel that there's something we wish we could do for the Lord. We don't pray about it. We don't inquire of God about it. We don't know about it, or perhaps we've been forewarned about it, but we're afraid to move out for Christ. We're afraid to have confidence. Now, you may be skeptical. You may laugh. You may think that it's silly. You may think it's funny. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, according to the Scriptures, and I believe it. And Church of God, brethren, we're living in a time when the Lord can work miracles in our midst if we will permit Him to move in our lives, if we'll ask and not be like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed. First we think He can, then we think He can't. Let's all dedicate our lives to the Lord and believe and be immovable and simply have a faith that's a working faith put into action, serving the Lord. Great things are going to happen. I am positive of it. You can be positive of it. Now, I've talked to you long. I guess perhaps an illiterate like me, cannot be compared to the great Apostle Paul. But if I was to get started, I might continue my speech till midnight, and I'm sure that would cause all of you to have uh, a very bad feelings toward me. So I want to close with this thought in mind. Tonight I want you to go home and have prayer with the Lord. And ask him to increase your faith and help you to put your faith into action. And to pray for the church of God of Abrahamic faith. That we will really move and be a witness. And that he will take us and use us. And give us this dynamic faith in a wonderful way. So that we can be used of the Lord to his glory. Thank you.